the most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon and welcome to the Saturday edition of the best of Fight Back from the week that was. At the start of the week, we learned four opposition members of Parliament were requesting the House of Commons National Defence Committee be reconvened to examine the governing Liberals' conduct in the investigation and prosecution of Vice Admiral Mark Norman. Federal prosecutors stayed the charges a week ago Wednesday, saying they had no reasonable prospect of getting a conviction. In a letter sent to the clerk of the committee, the MPs say they are also looking to call a number of witnesses to the committee, including Norman himself and the Prime Minister. Both Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and the prosecutor have said there was no government involvement in the prosecutor's decision. Mark Norman was the second in command of Canada's military before he was suspended in 2017 and then charged last year with breach of trust over alleged leaks of secret information about a Navy shipbuilding contract. He's being welcomed back to work by the Chief of the Defence Staff, General Jonathan Vance, as soon as possible. On Monday, Libby spoke with former Attorney General Peter McKay and Conservative Aaron O'Toole, the federal MP for the electoral riding of Durham, to get their perspectives on these developments. I firmly believe that the prosecutors, when they received more information from the Prime Minister's office, they saw that the case they were trying to make against Mark Norman uh, was impossible to make. They had no reasonable prospect of, of conviction. And that probably uh, complemented the information they got from the defense, including interviews they had with people like Peter, Jason, myself, basically giving the context for the contract. This was a uh, an urgent contract for a supply vessel so that our Navy could supply itself at sea. So our our Navy could be a true blue water Navy. And it was an urgent pressing emergency contract. That was the nature of it. And the first Liberal cabinet meeting, they tried to interfere with that contract. And that is the heart of the Mark Norman affair. So I think the prosecutors got some context, I think, from the Prime Minister's documents, uh, recognizing really there's no case here. So we should be asking a lot of questions about why the Liberals took so long to disclose all documents. Peter McKay, why do you think they picked Mark Norman? Well, as I think Aaron has outlined quite accurately, this was uh, early days in their government. And I I think that when the leak occurred and they were embarrassed for trying to mess around in the contract, they needed a a scapegoat, a fall guy. And uh, they wanted to send a message across government, across the entire public service, that this wasn't going to be tolerated. So Mark Norman was hung from the yardarm, to use a a Navy expression, and keelhauled. And this is important to note, uh, Libby, that the allegations that uh, Mark Norman was going to wind up before the courts that came directly from the prime minister in April, and again, I believe in February of 2018, happened well before he was actually charged criminally, which draws a direct line back to the prime minister. Michael Warnick had written a 60-page memo that went directly to the prime minister. It was disclosed, but all 60 pages were redacted. What is the Prime Minister's office doing being briefed on a criminal prosecution, albeit one that they have an interest in? But this smacks of political interference. 
it smacks of the prime minister going well beyond and, and certainly farther than anyone would, would possibly believe possible to prosecute. I use the word persecute the second highest commander in the Canadian armed forces all for what vindictiveness, malice, and they wouldn't pay for his legal fees until after this case had been resolved. Another interesting note is that the charges were stayed. They weren't, they weren't dismissed. They weren't withdrawn. Uh, that, again, leaves a little bit of a, a chill over the fact that they could be brought back. MP Aaron O'Toole, where do you think this goes next? What we'd like to see at at very minimum is an apology from the Prime Minister. The Prime Minister is famous for making apologies for people's actions generations ago, even pre-Confederation. He's done apologies in the House of Commons. Here, they've maligned and tarnished the reputation of a Canadian who served 38 years. And Libby, he came from a military family. So every year of his life has been either with a military family or serving himself. To think of how he was treated, he deserves at a minimum an apology, and we'd like to perhaps see an inquiry at the Defence Committee and a public inquiry to get to the bottom of this, because if it does come that the Liberal government held back key documents from the prosecutors and from the defense, um, there's potential for obstruction here, or certainly they created a, a trial that never should have been in court. So I, I still have a lot of answers about uh, the, the Trudeau inner circle on this case. Okay, and Peter McKay, anything you'd like to leave us with? I think Aaron has summed it up nicely. There's a lot more that should be publicly disclosed about this. Um, just as we saw in the SNC-Lavalin case, the Liberals are hoping this will go away quickly. It should not. Canadians deserve answers. Mark Norman deserves answers, and he can perhaps provide some of those uh, in the very near future. But there's a whole list, a long list, including the Prime Minister himself, who should be called uh, to publicly give an accounting for what appears to be a very malicious prosecution orchestrated and quarterbacked out of his office. And uh, whether it's the House of Commons committee, whether it's a public inquiry, uh, Canadians deserve answers. That was Libby in conversation on Monday with former Attorney General Peter McKay and Conservative MP Aaron O'Toole. You're listening to the best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. Also on Monday, it's become a well-known joke here in Toronto that we have two seasons, winter and construction. Well, Mayor John Tory announced how spring and summer construction projects could affect the commute and gave details of one of the first major disruptions for drivers. And that is the complete closure of the Don Valley Parkway on the weekend of May 25th for spring maintenance. In all, there are expected to be 50 major road restrictions, 27 moderate road restrictions, and 51 minor road restrictions. Libby spoke with Brad Ross, the city's chief communications officer, and Raymond Chan at the CAA about our construction issues. I'm glad to see that the mayor has announced this. A billion dollars is certainly nothing to sneeze at. Um, It's a large capital investment towards our infrastructure needs and certainly something that's long overdue. And and, the CA has been advocating for this uh, for a long, long time through programs like our Worst Roads campaign, uh, where we're asking for more permanent and dedicated funding towards uh, things like infrastructure improvements. Uh, So this is certainly a welcome sight to us. The mayor promised that he would see to it that the condo developers would not just willy-nilly have their way with our streets. I don't think they've delivered on that. 
the people who are, are doing construction, I mean, there's a condo development on every street corner and there seems to be absolutely no regard for the driving public. Raymond Chen, do you agree with that? Am I, you know, being unreasonable here? You're certainly raising some very valid points here, Libby. And uh, I think that uh, part of the whole process in, in, in trying to uh, figure out the best use of our road real estate and uh, and and how construction efforts are, are planned and actually rolled out. In order to do work on city streets, I mean, one has to apply for the proper permit. So if you're going to be blocking off a section of the road, um, in some instances you have to hire um, you know, paid duty officers to make sure the traffic is going to be flowing, that pedestrians are able to uh, walk uh, across the street as well. But there's there's a number of things that can certainly be done better, and I can agree with you and, and uh, certainly... Um, you know, sense your frustration with, with, with everything and the way that it's rolled out in the city of Toronto. You know, bottom line, can it be better coordinated? Can there be a better effort into speaking with the various stakeholders and the v- various groups that uh, need access to our roadway to complete work? Absolutely. I think um, if I were to give one piece of advice to, to council would be um, to convene all these proper players together. You know, how, how do we better uh, disseminate this information to the general public so they better understand um, what the process is with construction, how long it's going to take, and, and, and how badly needed some of these roadworks are. So definitely better coordination effort and better communication is certainly a must when it comes to construction efforts. Okay, I'd like to bring in Brad Ross, who is the city's chief communications officer. We have been promised better coordination for years, basically. It hasn't happened. As we head into this massive construction plan, you know, what is going to happen with these issues that have never been resolved? Well, I would I would argue that that coordination has improved significantly, especially over the last five years or so. There are uh, routine, regular meetings with senior staff, including the mayor, in fact, to ensure that there is coordination, so that we're not closing uh, or limit or, or reducing lanes on a major uh, road, for example, and then doing the same work um, to the roads, uh, you know, north or south or east or west of that road, so that there is coordination, uh, that there is timing that is considered when the TTC, for example, has a weekend closure, uh, coordinating all of that work um, to to ensure that you know, that there are alternatives for, for drivers through that particular area. We look at things like signal timing um, and, and making those uh, the, those signal times, um, you know, conducive to ensuring that there is, you know, less congestion as, as a result. And so, um, you know, enhanced signage and, and certainly communicating fully to, to the public so that they are aware of uh, this reality that we call construction season, that, that there is going to be uh, um, uh, road work that is necessary or sewer water main work that has to be done. Uh, you know, more than a billion dollars worth of infrastructure uh, this this construction season is is being tackled. So, um, you know, as as, as your other uh, guest notes, you know, we we do have a uh, because of our climate, we do have a limited number of months in which we can get get this work done. So there's a lot of investment happening, and and so that work has to happen. And yeah, it needs to be coordinated so that you know we're not uh, uh, replacing a road, for example, or surfacing resurfacing a road, and and next year going in and and uh, having to tear it up so that we can get at the the water mains or the sewers. 
we have to hold you to that, Brad Ross, because uh, I'm not sure it was happening. And this last weekend was a complete disaster. Well, there the is roads. congestion, Libby. There's no doubt about it. When there is construction, there's going to be congestion. Uh, there's there's no two ways about that. It's making, you know, uh, what I would argue is that if we didn't do that coordination, it would be a heck of a lot worse and we might be having a different conversation. That was Brad Ross, Toronto's Chief Communications Officer, and Raymond Chan, Government Relations Specialist at the CAA. You're listening to the best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. On Tuesday, Fight Back addressed the use of ads in political fights here in Ontario. What do they accomplish and who pays for them? Libby Snymer first talked about the private ad campaign designed to push back against the Ford PC's plan to allow beer sales in convenience stores. It features Canadian curler Glenn Howard, who's also a longtime beer store manager. To discuss the campaign, Libby was joined by liberal strategist Bob Richardson, conservative strategist Mike Van Solen, and Glenn Howard. I've been a, uh, an employee of uh, the beer store for over 38 years. Uh, it's been a fantastic company. I think uh, we do great stuff uh, as far as keeping, you know, we keep prices down uh, because of our, our efficient delivery system. We, uh, our environmental leadership is second to none. Uh, and when, when there's, a, there's a, an opportunity now where, you know, if beer gets put into corner stores that, uh, you know, jeopardize, might jeopardize uh, some of the jobs that we have. And I don't, I don't want to see, uh, I just don't want to see that happen. And I, I just don't think, uh, I just want to make sure that everybody understands where the, who the beer store is, what we do, how good we are at it. And, uh, you know, it, for, for what reason? You know, I, don't, I just don't want to see any job loss, and I, I just don't think it's necessary. Everything is more expensive in a convenience store because people pay for convenience. I think that is a given. That's exactly. I, I think you nailed it. So if that's if the thing the thing is though, uh, you know, generally majority of the the beer stores in our in our province are within minutes of, of a drive. So I guess people want to be seconds to to get their beer. I guess I I'm not sure. Like it, you know, wherever I've lived, I haven't had to drive very far to uh, to get to a beer store. And um, I guess again, if if it's the world today that if you want to get your uh, get your your product within seconds of where you live, maybe that's the, that's the case here. But uh, you know, um, it is going to cost more. That is the bottom line. So if that's the case, if, if for convenience sake, and it's, it's um, is what people want, then they're going to have to pay for it. It's really all about uh, making sure the facts are out there and uh, uh, where the beer store is coming from and, uh, and really what we do. On the line, we have Bob Richardson, who is a liberal strategist and senior counsel to National Public Relations. And here with me, Mike Van Solen, who is a principal with Navigator and a conservative guy. Mike, what's your take on this? I think that people, uh, people by and large want the convenience of being able to access beer in, in more than just the beer store. Uh, many of us have had experiences of being in other provinces and, uh, you know, in other states and, uh, you know, that's fine. I think, uh, and it worked well. And, and so the, the claims that it's more expensive, I think it will be more expensive in some places, but I also think it'll be cheaper in other places. I know that when I go to the Max Milk to get a tube of uh, toothpaste, uh, you know, at the last minute, I'm paying a little bit more than if I had taken the time and, and go to go to the Shoppers Drug Mart or a Metro. Uh, but for the convenience, I want to do that because it's right around the corner. And, and uh, I expect the same uh, economics will be at play for beer. Uh, but adults in Ontario want to be treated like adults. And uh, 
this uh, sort of Presbyterian, uh, you know, sort of uh, view of uh, sort of state control of these uh, operations, I think, is a thing of the past. I think Doug's uh, right to press forward. And, um, I mean, we can get into it, but I think there's been a lot of uh, mistruths uh, being sort of put out there, And which which if I was on the other side, that's exactly what I would do. I would, I would sort of try to defend uh, defend the status quo, uh, but uh, there's a lot of good reasons why, uh, why I think uh, we're ready as a province to move on. Bob, it was the Liberals that made this exclusive 10-year deal, which required $100 million in upgrades, and I guess that's why some people are saying it's going to cost up to $100 million to cancel this contract. Well, one number one, I thought it was a terrible deal. I thought it was a dumb deal. And I thought the province did not do a great job on it. So if you're looking for a liberal to defend it, I'm not your guy. On this one, I think the province is right to have a look at things. I think um, the, the, the breweries, uh, they still have a lot of jobs in Ontario, I think 28 or 30,000. Um, they're an important part of the economy, particularly take a city like London as an example. So I think we've got to be cautious on what we do, and we've got to be fair to them because they have been good corporate citizens and continue to be good corporate citizens. But at the same time, people need some convenience, and the convenience is just not um, – their their model just has not kept up with the times. And I think that's a fair analysis. Bob, what would you like to leave us with? Well, I think uh, I wish the government well on this. Uh, I think the beer companies need to be treated fairly. They've been good corporate citizens and, and will continue to be. But at the same time, I think people want more convenience uh, and uh, they want better hours and they want better distribution and they should get it. Mike? Yeah, look, I, I'm really excited to see this process play out, and I believe that uh, the province can come to commercial terms with these uh, different uh, different entities. I believe they, I agree with Bob, they've been good corporate citizens, and I think they will continue to be when we get to a place with a new model and uh, and Ontarians will, will benefit uh, with greater access and convenience at the end, at the end of the day. Strategist Mike Van Solen and Bob Richardson, along with Canadian curler and beer store manager Glenn Howard. This is the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. You've probably already seen or heard the Ford government's anti-carbon tax ad, which is taking a lot of flack because it does not point out that the federal government is offering financial rebates to Ontario taxpayers. Conservative strategist Mike Van Solen stayed around to talk with Libby about this ad. She was also joined by communications expert Robin Sears and MPP and NDP energy and environment critic Peter Tabbins. It's a waste of money. And most people that I've talked to say, I don't want Doug Ford using my tax dollars, money I need for schools and hospitals, for services. I don't want them wasted on this tax campaign so he can help Andrew Scheer in his federal election coming up this year. Uh, no one, <laughs> no one uh, thinks that this is a good idea because we know that we have real uses for that money. And him using it for political propaganda is just way too outrageous, frankly. It's, it's really mind-boggling. Uh, the, the ads are totally inaccurate, unfair, um, and again, just part of Doug Ford making stuff up. That's just the way he does things. The Liberals um, got rid of the Auditor General's power to strike down these partisan ads, and that was a huge mistake on their part. They they really hurt Ontario when they do that, when they did that. And back in the day, uh, 
the conservatives said, no, 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 this is terrible. You can't be putting partisan advertising on TV. You can't be using money out of people's taxes to do that. No, you have to stop. For the liberals, the slogan is, that was then, this is now. And that now seems to be the conservative slogan, because they've got the power to reverse this. They were really strong when they're in opposition opposing this. And no, they're just going along with what the liberals did to drag Ontario backwards. And we're paying for it. Literally, it's coming out of our pockets. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. It's $30 million, apparently. Uh, anything you plan to do further on this issue? Well, we're going to continue arguing against this in committee, uh, arguing against this and voting against this when the bills come forward and bringing this up. Uh, right now, the Conservatives have a majority. What they need really is to hear from people in Ontario saying, stop wasting my money. Just stop already and get on with doing what you're elected to do. Look after the things that are vital to us. Let's bring in Robin Sears, who is a principal of Earnscliff Strategy, and Mike Van Solen is also with us. What do you make of this? I wonder how much of it is just, um, as it were, hot air in the eyes of most voters. Uh, the the claims in uh, the ad are, you know, on their face false <laughs> and easily uh, proven so, and it, I found... The one ad I've seen with the woman with a gas hose in her hand and nickels falling out of it, a little bit paternalistic and patronizing, frankly. Um, not a home run, I don't think. Mike Van Solen? I think these are the type of uh, policies that he was elected on. Um, and people can take issue with what his approach to climate change is. Climate change, I believe, to be a very real problem. Um, but I believe there's a lot of different ways to, to get at it. He, uh, I think it's incumbent as well on the federal government to show that to continue to make the case. And I think they've struggled to make the case that the carbon tax is a critical uh, tool in that battle. Um, what people see, and, and if I... If I was on the other side of the table or supporting the, the federal government, uh, I think they should be extra vigilant to take away the criticism that this is just a tax grab or a way to expand government. I think they should have been uh, they should be crystal clear in uh, that they're not going to allow it to be a tax grab, that they're going to reduce taxes in other ways to make sure that it's a revenue neutral uh, proposition. But Mike, um, with respect, that's not the point. The point here is the use of taxpayers' money for partisan purposes. It doesn't matter if they were trying to sell chocolates that were had a PC logo on them. It wouldn't make any difference to what is wrong about this. It's not the subject matter. It's the choice of vehicle and the source of funds. And this will cheapen Doug Ford's brand, especially since he came to power, claiming he was going to overwhelm and sweep out the Augean stables, etc., that the liberal corruption left behind. How is this any different? I think he uh, has found himself in a battle with the federal government that is willing to use this tool to advertise uh, its program extensively in a province uh, when he himself has a mandate from Ontarians to fight against this uh, fight against this policy proposal. And he, you, people can take you know get into the merits of each each other's position. But he's fighting fire with fire. And uh, and that's what he was asked by Ontarians to do. And I think any premier who gets a str uh, the majority that he does, it is their duty then to to prosecute and advance their case as best they can. And that's so he's using the tales that are available, tools that are available to him. And we may not like it, but that's where we find ourselves. And I don't know that uh, this is singularly Doug's, uh, Doug's uh, pro cross to bear. 
Strategist Mike Van Solen, communications expert Robin Sears, and NDP MPP Peter Tabbins. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. Fight Back with Libby Snymer brings you comprehensive coverage of the news stories that interest you and your reaction to them on the phones. We've gone through the audio. Here are some of the best calls of the week. Greg in Brampton drives for a living and called in to offer his perspective on construction headaches. I'm a limousine driver and we have to bring people in and out of Toronto on a regular basis and it's just becoming an absolute disaster. We don't have access to get to people. I would really like to know how construction dictates traffic. The King Street project is an absolute disaster for drivers. We got lots of room for plants in the middle of the road, but not being able to get in and pick people up. And the way they've got the rules set, you know, if we try and do anything differently, then we're going to get a ticket. Jim in Pickering called to say he doesn't like the idea of buying beer in convenience stores. I can buy beer and wine, extended hours. This convenience, you buy your beer there, but you have to return your empties to the beer store. So now you have to go to two locations, or what do you do? Just stock them up in the garage? Why can't people, if they know it's busy on a Friday, holiday, weekend, is one thing, just, you know what, just think about it and do it at a, a different time, you know? But Daniel in Toronto is among those who likes the idea of convenience when it comes to buying his beer. I live in Halton Hills. There's only one beer store in Halton Hills. So come Friday night, the lineup is outside the door to pick up beer. Or on a good weekend, people are having barbecues. We're waiting north of an hour to buy beer. Whether or not beer is going to come down in price in the variety store, I highly doubt it. But I think people are going to want to pay a premium for availability and service and longer hours. Two, four, 12 packs, we're probably going to pay more, but at least we can get it when we want. Pat in Toronto called to say she's upset about the carbon tax ads and says Premier Ford doesn't seem to understand the issue of climate change. I find this very, very, very bothersome. I mean, Doug is not a friend of the environment. Does he not realize with what's going on in the Ottawa River, in Muskoka, etc., we've got serious climate change. We've got to attack this. It's going to cost money. The federal government, I think, is trying to do the right thing. Does, does Dougie think we're stupid when he shows ads like that with money dropping out of pockets? We have to pay. We are going to suffer in this world if we don't do something about climate change. And now... Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fightback Knockout Call of the Week comes from Diane in Toronto, who thinks the system of relying on property taxes from homeowners to fund Toronto services and programs is unfair and needs to change. Seems every time the city needs money, they go after property tax people. People that have property have to bear the brunt of it, and it's not fair. We all enjoy the services and the benefits of the city. We should all be paying equally. But it's always the property people that have have to bear the cost of it. Mayor Tory has said on several occasions, you know, property tax was never meant to support all these services. And yet every year we get dumped on, and whenever you need the money, we get dumped on. It's just not fair. City has to watch their costs. They have to find some new revenue uh, streams 
it's just not, it's, as I say, it's just not fair. Just people that have property to have to bear the brunt of it. That does it for today's Best to Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us noon to one weekdays at 416-360-0740 on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca and follow us on Twitter at Fightback Libby. I'm Jane Brown. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of the best of Fight Back. The best of Fight Back is produced by Jane Brown, Michelle Saunders, Justin Eacock, and Kelly Robotham. 